Mm. So are we doing the Space Odyssey thing, do you think? Yeah. So how's it go? That's Ghostbusters. <laughs> what have ghosts? Actually, you know what? Maybe we don't put in the actual music. Maybe we just do that part about us that is mashed up with Ghostbusters. I can't think of a better thing than than that. I definitely don't think people would want to hear something clear, crisp, and nice like the the iconic score of two thousand one space op, um, op, 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 opera opera <laughs> Fucking hell. I can't talk. Last night I was out with dinner and I tried to say um, make a joke about political correctness gone mad, and I said political madness gone correct. Yeah, well, you invented a new thing that's really good. I know. I and like then everyone, everyone was like, "Oh!" And then we oh. all paused, and I went. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> it sounds clever, but I think, I if, no you think if you think about it for any length of time, it's like, no, it just probably just bullshit. So you said political correctness gone mad? No. Uh, pr- political, political. I've tried to say political correctness gone mad. I was making some facetious, ironic jo- joke that would have been amazing. Um, but instead, <laughs> instead, I said um, pol- political madness gone correct. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there is something in there. Maybe it, it'll require a cleverer person than that uh, me be, and definitely you to figure out what it is. That should be the campaign tagline for Donald Trump Jr. whenever he's running. Political madness gone correct. And he, when he's running for fascist dictator monarch for life of America next time. So in that situation, is he referring to the political madness was the kind of mm, Trump, you mm. know, heritage and mm. he's making it correct now. Mm. Fuck, we just wrote a campaign winning slogan then for him. Yeah. Shit. So space, let's go to the moon. That's not even Ghostbusters anymore. Who are you gonna call? Steve, who are you gonna call? Call me my later. Call your my after that. Space. Cold, these cold ovens are getting worse. I had lofty visions of opening this episode with the speech that Kennedy made about going to the moon. Okay, peek behind. Let's uh, peek behind the k- kimono curtain. <laughs> Part of Komodo. Uh, the we originally were going to start this podcast with um, Steve's favorite speech of all time, or one of his favorite speeches, which is the JFK um, choose to go to the moon not because we can, or not because it's easy, but because it's hard. Speech, whatever he said. <laughs> Way to go, Richie! No, he said J- JFK said we choose to go to the moon not because it is hard, but because we think it might be made of cheese. <laughs> And I like cheese, JFK. And we will eat the other things because they are hard. Um, we were going to do that. And then we thought, no, actually, the 2001 Space Odyssey music would be a little bit, you know, sillier. And then I guess it devolved into Ghostbusters. <laughs> Sorry, JFK. We've gone space mad. <laughs> we have. This is good old fashioned space madness, which I assume is an actual thing. If pirates mm. had it, then I'm sure space people had it. Because that's what are we doing? I'm. <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I don't, don't know. I okay. I've been working. I, I was uh, nodding all for a second there, and I'm just completely out of it. 
you're infecting me with your dirty space madness. That's exactly it. But we are going to talk about space. This is, yeah, yeah we're going to talk about space, the politics of space, because it turns out there is actually a lot of politics involved in space. Yeah, lots of politics yeah. in space. Lots Before space. we do that, though, we have a live show. We do. We do well, have I mean, a live show. We're not going to do the live show before we start talking about space, but we will no, tell you about not, it. This isn't the live show now, uh, but yes, we will tell you about it. We are doing a live show as part of the Dublin Podcast Festival uh, with Inside Politics, the Irish Times political podcast, and that's happening on the twenty second, twenty second of November, Friday, evening. Friday evening, the Workmen's Club. Mm. Uh, tickets are. I'll put a link in the description uh, if you want to get yourself a ticket. Do get them; they are going fast. And if you forget to click on it and remember later, you can also go onto Ticketmaster. They're available there. Yeah. Um, did, I, did I tell you about Mammy Nolan, Steve? She's a ticket scalping. Fucking hell. She's so, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. They're going fast because Mammy Nolan is buying up all of the tickets and selling them. At, like, so what? Tickets are normally 15 quid. She's selling mm. them for like £547.52. And she's making a killing on it. So, God damn it. Yeah, she's if you if you go to Kildare, if you go to the the car park in the Aldi in Kildare Town, she'll be there just selling tickets to our show. Scalping, I mean, it's, scalping it's, those tickets to Elton John. Both of them are flying hot off the shelves. To be honest, she's just kind of doubling down on what on politics. I think mm-hmm. she thinks this is her cash cow and quote unquote her ticket out of this dump. That's what she's saying. And then my, da- my dad's going to be there selling bootleg t-shirts. So they're both making a killing off of us. There were yeah. like t-shirts at the last show, Team Richie, Team Steve. That's true. There were Team Richie, Team Steve t-shirts. <laughs> of course, Team Steve outsold Team Richie by a mad amount. I mean, I bought a Team Steve, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm Team Steve. <laughs> but yeah, definitely come along to the, to the, to the new show. We've got uh, Lena Norms, who I don't think we've announced. Uh, we've announced on socials. I don't think we've said it on the podcast yet, but Lena, Lena Norms, Norms is going to be our guest. She You'll, was one of our first guests and remains to be one of our best guests. Absolutely. The What I'm Feminist, Feminism episode from mm. Jesus way back when, two and a half years ago. Mm. Uh, come along, it's going to be a great night. Um, I'm going to do a flip. Two flips. Two flips. Sorry, I forgot about that. Uh, link in the show notes. Um, anything else? Any more housekeeping? We just get straight into it. Let's get straight into it. Well, we'll do a little bit of news first. Oh, okay. Before well, we do news, we're also going to tell you that we're going to have a guest on this episode. So I'm going to talk a whole lot of bullshit about space. And yeah. then we're going to call a spaceman. Mm-hmm. Who Brendan is? Brendan Byrne. Your son. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Byrne. Cousin Brendan over in Florida. A space yeah. reporter with WFME Orlando. I love saying that. I love saying American radio stations. Yeah. And he's also uh, host. With me. <laughs> with me. With, with me, Orlando. Me. <laughs> he's also host of Are We There Yet? A podcast about the mission to Mars. Mm-hmm. And I like saying Mars. You do like saying Mars. But maybe try tone that down before the actual interview. Mars. There we go. Um, that's great. Is what, what I get. Um, currently, we are waiting to take his call. <laughs> yeah, it's getting refracted through all the different satellites and stuff. And because of space reasons, it's taking a while, I presume. Yeah, space reasons. Uh, do you want to do very, very, very quick news? Very quick news. So the impeachment shit is ongoing and yeah. I will say it will keep on going for the rest of the year probably and take up a good chunk of next year. So mm-hmm. there's no point in going too much detail, but if you want to hear more, you can go back and listen to the last episode in your feed. Mm-hmm. And you can also check out a new po- podcast that I'm helping to produce on Headstuff called The State of 2020. Fucking great name for a podcast. I'm very proud. Very proud. You're very proud. I can't speak this morning either. You have infected me with your fucking space madness. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, Brexit. What's going on there, Richie? I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a good summary of what's going on. Um, Their deadline is coming up, so hopefully they. Halloween. I think they have 
six days left. <laughs> Fucking hell. I got to be out of the country uh, when that happens, so... Mm, you might not have to be allowed back into the country. Yeah, yeah, who's, who, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but yeah, who's, who's, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anymore, Steve. Yeah, I'm not going to do any summary. It's just, it's not going well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we'll find out. Do you want to uh, talk about Syria? Uh, just briefly, we did an episode on Syria to talk about how awful things have been going over there. And unfortunately, things got a little bit worse because Turkey has divide, decided to invade uh, the north of Syria, a territory that was occupied by the Kurdish forces, mm-hmm. who Syria, uh, Turkey consider their enemies. Mm-hmm. So America had been protecting them. Mm-hmm. the Kurds, and they decided to step back. Well, Donald Trump kind of decided all of a sudden almost. And now Turkey and uh, the Turkish military use that opportunity to go in and take loads of territory, basically turning it into an even bigger fucking Royal Rumble of a disaster. So, Was there any um, uh, concrete reasons behind Trump's withdrawal? Um, not really, no. Right. He just wanted to be nice to his buddy Erdogan over in Turkey, I think, because... They're kind of America kind of split because they're allies with Turkey and they're allies with the Kurds. And unfortunately, these two allies fucking hate each other. So right. I think it's just a matter of, oh, they were mostly on the Kurdish side when it came to that thing. And now they've decided not to be anymore. Okay. Just withdrew. So, just withdrew. Yeah. We'll, we'll follow up on that, I guess, maybe in more depth in a later episode. Yeah. Yeah. But now time to go to space. Well, not go to space. Time to talk Five, about space. four, <laughs> three. What comes after that? Four. Space. Yes. I wanted to talk about space on the show for a long time. That was one of the first things you talked about when we first started chatting about the show. And I was like, why? There's no politics up there. It's loads of... Well, it's not just about... It's about the politics of getting there. Ah. So it's not just about alien councils and galactic courts. We'll get to that eventually. We'll get to the, um, the Star Trek Federation. That's all I care about. Let's burn through the rest of the stuff. Uh, yeah, so... But why, why, is this, why is this so political? Uh, many reasons. Uh, I'd say the main three that we're going to concentrate on this episode is resource management. So that's basically who gets to pay for getting to space. And also, to a large extent now, who's going to own the stuff up in space? Yeah, when you said resource management earlier, I, th- I was thinking, oh, like mining asteroids? Well, to a certain extent, yeah, that's where okay. we're going to go. But for the moment, it's more like, oh, well... How do we spend $100 billion on a space rocket when we could be spending $100 billion on America's schools? Right. That's a, that's a bit of politics in that. Yeah. Uh, also, space rockets that have bombs on them, so military might. <laughs> yeah. And also national prestige, because countries sure like to stick their flags on things. Yeah, because I guess when you think about space travel, you can kind of, like, your brain can go to, oh, it's like a scientific pursuit and it's about, you know, discovery, blah, blah, blah. But there is a certain amount of kind of geopolitical dick-swigging. Oh, a huge amount of geopolitical dick swinging. Yeah. Geopolitical dick swinging. That's a pretty powerful sentence, isn't it? I mean, it's right up there with your madness of political in uncorrectness. Political correct, political madness gone correct. Geopolitical dick swinging. Why don't we have t-shirts? This is the <laughs> What would the image of geopolitical dick swinging be on the t-shirt? I'm going to open Photoshop now oh. <laughs> while you're talking. <laughs> Continue while I start artworking some stuff up. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you a brief history of space exploration and the politics around it. So before World War II, space notions were kind of limited to mad scientists and right. uh, philosophers and uh, science fiction writers. So people right. weren't really that interested in terms of practical notions. And to be, if it was ever going to happen, it was going to be some mad fella strapping himself to a rocket and flying up there. And that happened. 
Yeah. Just no one talks, you're, it. No you're, one talks you're, about it. You're a great Jimmy uncle. Nolan. You're, you're a great uncle, Jimmy Nolan. <laughs> yeah. God bless him. I haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if he landed back soon. He could. I don't know. Planet of the Apes style. Yeah. Oh, they blew it all up. He's standing outside the Aldi in, Kil- <laughs> in Kildare down. <laughs> Ma's trying to sell him tickets <laughs> to our show. Um, yeah, so there was, wasn't was really much going on. But mm. then World War Two popped on. And then right. they, they, the country started to realise that having weapons in the air, both in terms of flying with a man and an airplane, and then also on the back of a big rocket flying across places to bomb was kind mm. of effective and became very mm-hmm. strategically important. And the amount of money that they put into technologies being around that between America, to be honest, the Nazis and the UK and France and USSR was immense. So right. if you think of the difference in technology between 1939 and 1949, I don't think there's ever been as big a leap as there has been in that era. Like, yeah. You went from no Game Boys really prior, sh- lots of Game Boys after. Yes, precisely. Yeah, all that kind of shit. Yeah. Lego. All, Lego. Um, <laughs> Tamagotchis. The um, Nespresso machines. Yeah, the things they put in coffee, those little hot stoppers to stop it from spilling out. Oh, wow, that's genius. The pe- special pegs that you put on your cornflakes bag to keep it fresh after you open the box. So the These space- are all World War II inventions. <laughs> all Hitlers. <laughs> Hitler invented Tamagotchis. <laughs> you heard it here. Space race basically began then because yeah. what, uh, we've gone over plenty of times but the Cold War started after World War II you had the USSR um, which is basically Russia squaring up against the United States of America two opposing ideologies communism versus capitalism freedom versus socialist freedom because it's it, it's not cool to be totally USSR bashing anymore and right. well it is because they killed all them hundreds of millions of people but you can still let's not get into that now we're talking about space space um, they wanted to put rockets up into space as part of the geopolitical dick swinging and also to make sure that the other crowd are not going to put missiles up there to fall on them. So mm-hmm. they started pumping loads and loads of uh, resources into it. Do you know who was the first country into space? Ireland. Yes. We knew. We established that with your, with your great uncle. Yeah, Jimmy Nolan. Jimmy was testing you. Uh, do you know what the first country was to do something useful with space, though? Uh, Russia? Yeah, USSR. They put Sputnik up there. A big... Ah, oh, ba- Sputnik. A basketball satellite. So what was the point... Like, what was the point of Sputnik? Was it, did it have a practical application or was it just kind Absolutely. of like... Absolutely. Oh, it was very to practical. To get something up there. No, it was very practical. It was to prove... Well, all these things are like to prove that you can do them. So you, And then after that, you can move on to what your plans are. So, mm. like, they wanted to prove that you could put a satellite up there to send signals back to Earth. So it was just like going... Beep. And it was, they were like, oh, well, we can put something That's what that sound was. That was driving me (laughs) mad. Sputnik, yeah. Um, And then they also got the first man in orbit. They sent Yuri Yuri Gagarin up there. I assume he had a ship of some sort around him. Yeah, unlike your uncle. (laughs) Unlike Jimmy. Yeah, he had a whole thing. They tested it out with chimpanzees and dogs. Actually, I think the first living creature was a dog. Laika was her name. She was a dog from the streets of Moscow. Did she never? She never came back. No, All right. No, she she's, she lives up in space now. She's Jimmy's space dog. Oh, oh that's so adorable. <laughs> she's like a little uh, corgi-looking dog as well. It's very cute. Oh, um, all dogs go to heaven. Like it just went there more directly. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but then the big aim at this time was to get someone on the moon. Right. Not because it is easy, but because it is hard. But, but because it is moon. Because it is the moon. It's full of cheese. They wanted to get that cheese, call it capitalism free, freedom cheese. 
free, oh man. Instead of I USSR get getting up there cheese. and calling it every man cheese. <laughs> so they pumped loads of resources in. You had a huge space program. You had loads of astronauts going up there, space pilots. They did loads of different tests. And I would recommend watching a movie like First Man, if you want to mm-hmm. get an idea of what that was like. You had mm-hmm. like Neil Armstrong going up there and proving that you could like dock between two spacecraft in space. Mm-hmm. Are these all the different bits they had to do? So it was kind of like they knew what they needed to get a man on the moon, but mm-hmm. they had to prove each little bit. And that took about 10 years and hundreds, hundreds of bazillions of dollars is the official estimate. And this is, again, is just about like the prestige and the accomplishment of getting there. Yeah, rather exactly. Rather than to get to the moon to like, let's analyze rocks. Well, like you need, well, part of that is analyze rocks, but you also want to be your country up there. So America yeah. are putting themselves out there as the bastion of freedom and the force of good in the world. And like Kennedy's speech where he's saying we're going to go there in this decade. So he says mm-hmm. that like in 61 or 62 and then they're up there by 69. And the reason that happened is because it was America wanted to be the ones to do it because they think that in order to progress forward as a society and a civilization, part of that is going to the moon. That was like, it was in the zeitgeist. It was like, well, the next part is going up there. Yeah. But then things got bad after the, in the 70s. What happened? Vietnam. Oh. Vietnam. The the war, uh, the moon wars. <laughs> if only. It was kind of going that way. Like, you had all these sci-fi movies with people just take, taking it granted by the time it was going to be 2001, you're going to be in a massive rocket flying somewhere. You'd have satellite hotels and moon bases and all I that. I had that. When I was a kid, I had that where I had assumed by the time I was buying my first car, it would have some... No, I'm not saying like flying to space, but it could go over you know, a wall type thing or like jetpacks or I had that in my head when I was a kid that that was going to be a thing. I was painfully disappointed by, you know, the internet or whatever. (laughs) Cures for HIV, God. Yeah, like stuff like that. Like, get out of here. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's kind of what the argument was. Everyone was like, oh, well, what's the point in spending all these hundreds of bazillions on space programs when we still have so much poverty here on Earth? Mm. that's a big part of it and then also the United States got wrapped up in Vietnam so they had to spend a whole load of time energy and money sending soldiers over there and then in the USSR they were struggling to keep up because their system was starting to show signs of weakness so they were kind of glad when the US started redirecting its efforts and that kind of went on going until there was a little burst in the 80s when Ronald Reagan came to power he Mm. wanted to put a load more energy into the space race because he was simultaneously seeing that the technologies were starting to advance to the point that it was going to become militarily important to be up in space. Mm-hmm. But then also he wanted to restart that prestige thing of having, you know, this is, he was all about defeating the evil empire of the USSR and having America and being freedom and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he came up with an idea and probably himself on the back of a post-it note to have a Star Wars project. I, wait, it was called Star Wars project. In theory, it was called the Star Wars project. What? Okay. It was going to be lasers in space that could shoot nuclear missiles as they were being fired from the USSR to America. So it would nullify. Wait, lasers in lasers in space that would shoot nuclear missiles. Yes, that was that was the Star Wars project. Madness. Mm. In theory, it could have worked, but it would have taken a lot of money. I mean, I saw the Death Star. Yeah, mini Death it blew, Star. It blew up. Two of them did. Yeah, the second one yeah. did too. Think how many people died. There, so there's different numbers, right? There's a guy on YouTube who's done a calculation and 
there's like wildly different numbers in what p- people say because like it's the size of a moon, right? The, the Death Star. Mm. Some people say That's there's like no just moon. like yeah. <laughs> Some people say there's like like ten thousand, twenty thousand on it, and there's other people say there's like a million. Um, so I don't know if they've ever come to one proper number, but it's it's you know it's more than four. And like people. they're they're not all evil space wizards with no, black masks. It, it was like contractors and ex- I was going to say yeah, contractors. You've got like deep, exactly like you don't. It, not everyone there is an evil you know space fascist. People are you know updating the plumbing and putting in the Wi Fi and you know filling the vending machines and shit. Although Star Wars doesn't have communication technology. What? Yes, it does. No, not not very good tech communication technology. That's why they're sending each other holograms and microchips instead of like beaming it out there and that kind of stuff. Ah, oh, that's one of the things. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's crazy how they invest a lot in like a fairly well rendered hologram, but the idea of a live transmission. It was a long, shit. long time ago in a galaxy very, very far away. That's true. So it's not that they're following the same track of development that we are. Right. We have not gone off on a tangent because that's a very important conversation. Absolutely. Um, But moving on. Speaking of long galaxies far away, long galaxies far away, um, one of the projects that was invented around the 80s and the 90s was done by Carl Sagan, who is a great space scientist who had loads of great shows and books. And if you want to get inspired about space, I would recommend doing it. He was like... Did he do Cosmos? Is that him? He did Cosmos. He did the original one. He was kind of like... He was the original... He was the model for Neil deGrasse Tyson and um, Brian Cox. Oh, Brian Cox. Who was the other guy? Bill Nye? Not the British actor. There's no, like Bill Nye, the science guy. He's the science guy. No. He, does yeah. he care about space? Yeah, he's on like the he's on like a board in NASA or something. No, he's, he's on, on the, the board of SETI. I was getting onto that. Oh. SETI is the search for extraterrestrial life. Ah. And they got a bit of cash back in the nineties to set this up and they built a whole load of satellites. Or I think they rent the satellites or something. Anyway, they're basically they are specifically on a mission to try and figure out if there is intelligent life out there. And their tactic of doing that is basically sending a big like gramophone listening thing to try and hear radio signals. Oh, and did they get anything? They did get a bit of money at the start, but then it quickly got cut. No, I mean did they get did they get any any alien no like dubstep here back? I'm not going to break the news to the world that said he managed to fight. hear aliens. They've been sitting on it for a while. <laughs> they're just waiting. They're trying to build a proper PR campaign around it, and we're the first touch point. You think that we? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we have it nailed down. It's either the BBC's pre- premier uh, science correspondent or mm. one on politics. <laughs> Fuck, flip a coin. <laughs> It could be hosted by Neil deGrasse Tyson or we can Skype call Richie. <laughs> it's an easy choice. And he'll sing Ghostbusters. <laughs> anyway, so uh, SETI got cut pretty quickly because it's it's a little bit harder to justify than a big rocket that at least you could say, well, if we put the rocket to the moon, then we can put some missiles on it. And you mm. you, you politicians like blowing stuff up. So they'll be like, yeah, okay, we're all for that. Or GPS satellites that like have a very practical use down here on, on Earth. Um mm-hmm. Whereas SETI is like, you're listening for aliens. So a senator was like, as of today, millions have been spent and we have yet to bag a single little green fellow. Oh, the way he says that sounds like they want a rendition, the little green fellow. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, not a single Martian has said, take me to your leader. Not a single flying saucer has applied for FFA, FAA approval. This so, is very like reductive science fiction normative expe- expectancies of what these, you know, life will be like. Little green man and UF flying saucers and stuff. Well, I was actually reading a really good article as to like the problems with even a project like SETI because we've decided that 
if a civilization was to develop, it would develop in the same manner as us. And so they'd have things like radio signals or um, another one yeah. is to try and keep an eye out for Dyson spheres, which is like a, a trans solar structure that captures um, energy directly from the sun in the solar system. Right. So yeah. that should be technically easy to spot. And they're like, oh, mm. well, obviously we're constantly consuming energy just as a civilization. So that another civilization would do that too. And people are like, yeah, but how do you know? Yeah. These other living creatures could just be, you know, totally different. clouds of conscious thought. Yeah. Or they could, that's, they could have developed to that. Or they could be like, well, we're destroying our planet by constantly consuming energy. So maybe we should not do that. What? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> so anyway. Um, fucking bunch of liberal aliens. <laughs> Don't want to talk to them. <laughs> Stay here on my fascist planet. They probably don't even believe in Jesus. No, they believe in fucking space Jesus, the heretics. Space Jesus. Earth, Earth Jesus could beat the shit out of space Jesus. Do you think space Jesus is like, he looks like regular Jesus, but he's got like really big sunglasses and like wears a white jumpsuit? Yeah, I think he's just like wrapped in tinfoil. <laughs> he's a really cheap space Jesus. Yeah, it's really, that's it. Do you think, so do you think if you like, so if you die on Earth, you go to space earth heaven right but if you die in space there's like you go to space jesus's heaven i don't know Do you think which is a better heaven this is your second reference to space and heaven yeah you're thinking i'm just, try- I'm just trying to i'm trying to take this podcast in more like spiritual philosophical direction and you just won't go there with well, stop it okay i want to talk okay. about the rise of china and geopolitics okay fine let's do it so, so what, about, what about china they're putting huge resources into space they want to get okay. people on the moon. They want to get Chinese astronauts up there. They want to do all the stuff. Because simultaneously... For militaristic reasons or for... Yeah, well, it, it makes sense. Like I said, space later shooting nuclear weapons. You want to be able to do that if you can. Or space lasers blowing up um, naval resources or something like that. That would be cool. But also, uh-huh. uh, just because, you know, it, it would make China look like the big boy around the corner. America did it. China did it now. Yeah. And then what happens if China goes to Mars? And they're the, they're the popular kids in yeah, school. Exactly. Who everyone wants to hang out with. Yeah. So I would say if China start doing things like actually send people to the moon, that you will start to see America going, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Forget all that stuff we said about not wanting them to be in space anymore. We're totally there. Yeah. Hey, China, can you check on our flag? <laughs> Is it still there? You think it might have blown over? It fell over. Blown over. <laughs> you know, with all the space wind. <laughs> uh, do you think they went there at that time? Do you think there's any validity in the conspiracies? Uh, well, I think this would be a perfect time for true fake facts. Oh, true fake facts. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the point? You're supposed to come up with them on the spot. I mean, you know, recount these facts on the spot. Okay. So uh, I know, okay, I know this for a fact that they didn't actually land on the moon. <gasps> now, all, I'm not saying they they didn't like recording a sound stage. It's actually much more embarrassing than that. And this is why they've been covering it up so much. They actually overshot the moon. They were a little bit distracted when they were they were doing like a I don't know what they were doing. They're probably like a drinking game or they're listening to um listening to a, like a Brendan Grace like comedy cassette tape and they just got distracted by the good joke. Or they were they were looking uh, out the window and they seen your uncle Jimmy flying by and they're like, What the fuck was that? Is that Jimmy? Does he have a dog? And they got distracted <laughs> and they ended up on Pluto. So they did land, but it that's Pluto that you see in the pictures and the videos and it's one small set for man, one giant leap for mankind on Pluto. But that's what they said, um, giant leap. It was only meant to be, it was only meant to be a leap. Exactly. But it was a giant leap. They overshot it by two billion miles or whatever it is. Mm. And that's what they're at. So that's actually them on Pluto. 
So you've cracked it. Yeah. Do you have evidence? I did. Uh, wake up, sheeple! It's right, it's right there. Like, look at the moon. <laughs> do you think you can't see it? Flag. Do you think Buzz Aldrin would punch you if you said this to him? No, he'd be like, "You've, you've you, cracked you'd, it." If anything, you'd have yeah, you've cracked it. Put his hands on his shoulders and go, "You, you are now the space king." You are now, you are now Buzz Aldrin. He would say, <laughs> "It's a mantle passed down." It's like James Bond or Doctor Who. Buzz is actually not his first name; it's a title. Yeah, exactly. You'd be Buzz Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> Jimmy would be so proud <laughs> what about you do you have any true fake facts about space uh, yeah you know the way one of the questions that astronauts always get asked is how do you poop or pee in space yes and they they try to go on about how like there's this this process where they go into like a thingy and then they do the, the space poop stuff that kind of stuff that's, yeah, that's a lie they just, what they just don't want you to know what they're actually doing with it oh, what they actually do they just roll down they just roll down the window and stick their arse out <gasps> oh I see mm-hmm and yeah, that's not a good, like, because, you know, NASA, they're, you know, they're as concerned about brand as any other big institution. <laughs> exactly. And like the, the imagery of like the International Space Station, which is like a row of arses. Yeah. And the portholes. Mm. All, all of them just doing their dirty business out into the inky blackness of space. Yeah. Well, some, is that what, is that what meteors are then? That's what, yeah, that's what shooting stars are. <laughs> make, look, make a wish. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful yeah, space, I, I, space, I, I, like, the majesty I, of space i'm so glad you listened to me when i said i want to take this podcast in a more spiritual philosophical <laughs> direction <laughs> at least we're not making dick jokes we're making bum jokes now. Ch- yeah we're making space bum jokes i can't get the idea of space bum if we ever colonize space i hope that my grandson will be like a space bum just like hanging around <laughs> <laughs> hoboing around space he definitely will space bum kind of like he's a, just like he's got a space banjo everything everything has to have the brand of space Exactly. Playing the space songs, riding the space trains. Cool. Uh, <laughs> we, um, uh, what do you want to talk about, like private enterprise and their interest in space? Yeah. Um, so recently, after all of these tech billionaires have got their big piles of money, rather than just constantly being Scrooge McDuck and jumping in, some of them are deciding to spend some of it. Like, I mean, they still have mm-hmm. enough to be Scrooge McDuck if they want to, but they're also deciding to spend some on space programs. Yeah. We got uh, Muskie, we got Branson E. Branson, yeah, he wants to, he's like, he's always been talking about getting um, tourists up into space on Virgin, what's it called? Galactic. Virgin Galactic. You got Elon Musk, his SpaceX, is it? SpaceX, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's doing it. That's actually doing pretty well. They're actually, they're in a position where they can be contractors for NASA to send rockets up there. Yeah. Um, and then you have Jeff Bezos as well, the uh, Amazon guy, and he's putting hundreds of billions into space as well. <laughs> he's putting hundreds of billions into space he's just storing it up there he's just like shooting it up every so often he's just sending the dollars up there I can't put it anywhere else it'll be there when he gets his rocket he'll have space money yeah exactly he's uh, just investing into space features literally investing in space yeah. by throwing money it just says, hands off aliens that's what they mean when they say uh, throwing money at space it's literally it that's it uh, a big trebuchet so this this poses a question that wasn't really asked so when JFK was talking about going into space and all that he had little American flags in his imagery on the on the rockets and the uniforms but like mm-hmm. what's going to happen if Jeff Bezos is the first person to get to Mars or Jeff Bezos' company is the first to get to Mars well there'll be an Amazon fulfillment center <laughs> on Mars <laughs> first of all well you got to make sure that the, the people that move there have priority delivery well, that's it. Yeah. I'm not. If I if I've spent however many months it takes or years seven, to travel to Mars, seven months, seven months, I'm and I get there, 
I want to be able to get like within two days my delivery of you know Charmin toilet paper or whatever it is. <laughs> no, because I told you how you poop in space. That's true. Sorry, but yeah, but when you land on Mars, it's true. Yeah. So, do you think those people are gonna have to adjust from? They're just used to seven months of pooping out a window. <laughs> Let's not go back to that. But yeah, so the idea of yeah, when when a private company lands on Mars, or whatever you like, how do they? Like who who are they are they representing the country that they were well, founded in at that point? No, they wouldn't. They absolutely wouldn't be. These guys don't. These guys don't like countries. They prefer the idea of like corporate nationhood, essentially. Um, oh, so do you think we're going to get like Pepsi presents Mars? Yeah, well, that was <laughs> that's like a that's a strange little segue in that movie Fight Club where David Fincher is moving his camera through a trash can. And he's like, you have the you have Edward Norton narrating it, but going. Uh, the space exploration in the future is going to be about the corporations. You're going to have Planet Starbucks and whatever. Mm. So they, they, Edward Norton called it first. I'm all, I, yeah. We are all but following in his footsteps. <laughs> Jupiter, a Burger King experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's possible, certainly. But I think eventually once, this, if the space race, hopefully, sp- starts up again in earnest, countries are going to start coming in and swinging their weight. Because... Mm whoever has the guns are in charge. So the countries are the ones developing the space guns. So whenever Jeff Bezos goes up there and sets up his colony, Donald Trump's space force is going to show up going, okay, pay your taxes. So. <laughs> yeah. Interesting times. Would you, okay, would you go to space? In what context? Okay. Yeah, sorry, that was very vague. <laughs> I mean, See, this, sure. is, this is the problem with Jimmy's plan as well. <laughs> Someone said the same, he went, yep, yeah, that was it. That's as far as it went. That's the problem with the Nolan. Uh, okay, would you so, do a podcast? Okay. Yes. Yes, yes, I will. <laughs> Two and a half years later, this is where we are, asking the big, vague questions. Uh, okay, you want some context. Uh, so you're going to Mars. There's like a, an initial colony has been established. They've got the basics. So whatever, like dome structures with air... Um, recycling systems or whatever they have basically you can survive there but it's hard no but you will be one of the first generations on Mars no 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 what what would you need to go yeah like what how far along would it need to be before well I'm not going to be very useful out there I'm like I've got a degree in they're going to need podcasts up there that's true Uh, okay if I could set up the first Mars podcast that'd be cool it would be um, Pizza Hut Presents (laughs) A Mars podcast <laughs> with Steve Byrne. Emperor Pizza Hut um, with vegan mozzarella. Exactly. For whatever reason. Because, oh yeah, because everything is made of bugs now because we've run out of ways to feed ourselves. Um, yes, I probably would not go. <laughs> yeah, me neither. No, there's very little that would bring me to space. Yeah. It's cool. And I'd be very, ha- I'm very proud of Jimmy and what he's done for the Nolan name. But no, thank you. What if... Earth got worse. Um, like, if the option was... How bad? Like, well, that's it, you'd see. You'd have to go, okay, life here is probably worse than what life out there would be. Or Well, then, yeah. So we're just, we're, like, really flimsy. We just want our comforts. That's basically, I will go wherever I can charge my like, Nintendo Switch. Never mind Mars. I want a Mars bar. Yeah. That's, yeah, that just sounds great. That's the Burn family motto. That's why we never went to space. <laughs> It needs to be more like Uncle Jimmy. So we'll be we'll be bringing our guest. We'll bring in our guest. Uh, we cool. are talking to Brendan Byrne, space reporter with WFME Orlando, and he's also host of the Are We There Yet podcast. 
Amazing. Let's go. Blast off. Oh, God, he did it. We were laughing at um, you, you saying uh, standing by. <laughs> it felt like a very, a very space thing to say. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very broadcasty and space thing. There's, there's a lot of like overlap between broadcast and space, which is pretty cool. So, oh, there's a lot there? of countdowns. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> there's a lot of countdowns. There's a lot of holds. There's a lot of. Yeah. What was the last countdown you had? Um, we do in broadcasting or. Oh, and just in life in general, Brendan. Oh, it could have been for know. a chicken you're roasting. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I brewed beer a few weekends ago, so you have to get a countdown uh, your boil times. Oh. Uh, last countdown. Uh, uh. I assume it's a bit longer than 10, 9, 8. Yeah, it's, it's 60 minutes and it's kind of fuzzy because you're drinking beer the whole time. So. <laughs> <laughs> as long as the boys in NASA aren't doing that, I think that's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> well, I mean, imagine the kind of beers that they could do with the technology that they have. Right <laughs> out of this world. Hey, there's going to be lo- there's, there's going to be actually, lots of that, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I love it. That's perfect. I'm sure you haven't heard any of these puns before, Brendan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, will we just get right into it then? Yep. Sure. Yeah. Cool, uh, Brendan. We thought we'd start off by asking you what are some of the kind of biggest, most exciting space exploration projects that are currently underway, either in NASA or SpaceX private sector stuff. Like, what's the notable stuff that people are talking about now? The first is NASA's commercial crew program um, is coming very close to a critical milestone. Now, commercial crew is uh, NASA has partnered with two private companies, SpaceX and Boeing, um, to launch NASA astronauts to the International Space Station from the U.S. Um, So this will end a reliance on getting rides to the space station from the Russian Space Agency, uh, which we've been solely relying on them since the end of the shuttle program in 2011. So mm-hmm. almost eight years we've been, um, we haven't been able to send our own astronauts. So uh, right now SpaceX has developed the Crew Dragon capsule, mm-hmm. um, which had a successful launch uncrewed, so no people on it, to the space station and back, um, back in March. And they're getting ready for a critical safety test and then a launch of two NASA test astronauts um, in the first quarter of next year is, is the working date. Um, Boeing is on a similar cadence. They're about to send their Starliner, which is their version of the crew capsule up to the space station, uncrewed first, um, and then they will have um, a mission uh, crewed uh, in the first part of the year as well. Now, the cool thing about this is there's, there's two astronauts. Um, one of them is Chris Ferguson, um, and the other one is uh, Doug Hurley. And they were the commander and pilot of the last space shuttle mission, Atlantis. So they were the last people to go on the space shuttle and they'll be the first people to go on NASA's commercial crew program. So it's like, it's very, very exciting. Mm. Um, this seems see a bit happening. greedy, them hogging all of the <laughs> space exploration. Yeah, right. Like I've right. never got once and these guys are going twice. That doesn't seem <laughs> Well, there's, there's seven seats on SpaceX's um, uh, Crew Dragon and they're only planning on sending two astronauts. So there's, there's plenty of room for <laughs> For other folks like like podcast hosts like ourselves to go up there, so <laughs> yeah, because otherwise it's hard. They're just going to use it for you know man spreading or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> They've got plenty of room. <laughs> so on the question of um, we're talking about private sector getting involved much more in the space industry, um, but how far do you think that this is going to go in terms of the private sector getting involved? Like, are we going to see Muskberg as a Mars colony instead of say one that's led by the United States called like New 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 York? I think so, and and that's because there are, there are two different approaches to um, 
Now, this this is something completely different. Going to the space station mm. and going to Mars um, is is a much bigger project. But um, NASA and and kind of the government agencies they approach uh, you know exploration of of other worlds like the Moon or Mars as you know kind of research bases, right? So so NASA wants to set up a research base on on the Moon, whereas Elon Musk he created SpaceX with the main goal of colonizing Mars. So those are two completely different approaches to, um, you know, extraterrestrial exploration. Um, so that's what Musk wants to do. That's what he's focusing on. Um, he's making headway with some some other really cool projects um, in the space industry. His his uh, Starship, um, which is this like steampunk nightmare looking uh um yeah it's it's the you know the stainless steel uh buck rogers looking um uh ship that like a dildo is what you're trying to say yeah yeah i i will let you say that yes (laughs) i'm not a public radio host yes uh that that will that will go to mars and, and take you know the masses there so there's two different approaches there's there's the scientific research bases that that NASA and other agencies want to do and then there's Musk who wants to colonize Mars. Um do you th- which do you think is a more interesting fertile ground for discussion like where's your interest out of those kind of two fields? I think they're both interesting. Um I think because one is closer on the horizon than the other is. Um uh, but it is it's very interesting to think about Mars colonization um and to have these these discussions like, you know, on my podcast, we talk a lot about, you know, big questions, not about just the technology to get there. But once you start a colony, you've got to start thinking about, okay, what kind of government are you going to have on Mars? What happens if people die there? Do you bury them? (laughs) Do you, uh, you know, do you launch? Yeah, Uh, those kind of things, you know, it would for sure be a one way trip. Um, They wouldn't be coming back. Um, how do you grow food? How do you sustain yourself? Um, there's some really interesting kind of philosophical questions that you start asking once you start thinking about Mars. Um, Musk has even said that he wants to terraform Mars, meaning basically launch or, or set off a bunch of nuclear detonations to give it another atmosphere. Um, and that's some big old philosophical questions <laughs> like who are who are we to be doing that to another planet um so it's fascinating to think of like these these mind projects and and, and uh um to kind of think about it but uh, that's why I, I enjoy that but but the science and stuff is, is going to be really cool too when we send our first humans to mars you know what they're going to learn is is fascinating as well it's interesting that is nuking a planet um an ethical question <laughs> that we're asking right? ourselves <laughs> It is. It is. And, and, and it's a very polarizing subject. There are, there are Musk devotees that, um, nuke them all. You know, there's t-shirts. Yeah. That, that says, <laughs> that there's t-shirts that say nuke Mars, um, you know, and, <laughs> and, and that's the, that's the plan. Yeah. Uh, but then there's other people that are out there that are like, you know, we've already destroyed one planet. Mm. Now <laughs> you're going to let us destroy another one. <laughs> so talking on the question of ethics and maybe broader philosophical questions, um, Certainly, well, it's not really an issue for the Irish government, but in the US where funding space programs is an option, um, it can be a tough ask sometimes to, to, to try and ask for the money to go into something like SETI or, or Mars exploration when there's all these calls for social programs at home. So what kind of a balance is there in the, in the politics of America between where the money should go and how much are you able to set aside for space exploration? NASA 
tends to get around the same amount um, every year, um, you know, in the past, let's say, decade, which is, you know, I've been covering this beat for about six years, and it hasn't much changed in the six years that I've been doing it. it it's about $20 billion. Um, and uh, that seems to be enough to for the day-to-day -day stuff. Um, the, the Trump administration has pushed NASA to return humans to the moon at an expedited pace. Uh, before the deadline was 2028, um, Trump has charged the agency to do it by 2024. For that, NASA needs about 10 to 20 billion extra dollars on top of their budget, um, and it does not look like they're going to get the first down payment that they need, um, which would be 1.6 billion. Um, that's because Congress is uh, kind of distracted with other things right now, um, so um, they are not able to get that money there. But um, with that said, the way that the space program is set up is it's very easy for NASA to get the money because of how spread out the programs are. Um, and everybody wants to bring money back to their district so they're able to get the funding that they need. So there are like, you know, a handful of NASA space centers. Like NASA doesn't happen in Florida. There's the Kennedy Space Center, there's the Johnson Space Center, there's the Goddard Space Flight Center, there's JPL, uh, there's Michoud. They're all across the country. So all of these lawmakers, they want money mm. to come into their districts. So when you say $20 billion spread over these, you know, dozens of congressional districts, it's an easy sell to get that money. And $20 billion is just a drop in the bucket when it mm. comes to, uh, when it comes to this. But I will say, this administration um, seems to be putting space exploration um, as, as, a, as a major priority um, and has the NASA has gotten more money under Trump and, um, and Republican leaders um, than it has in the past, which is, which is interesting to see. Speaking of this administration and its investment in space exploration, um, the U.S. are looking at establishing Space Force and France are announcing a sim their own similar program. Is the mass militarization of space something that's inevitable? Was this always going to happen? That was that, That's the concern, uh, for sure. Um, I also think it, it is inevitable just because of how much kind of warfighting resources we have in space. Um, the Trump administration wants a Space Force, and a Space Force will take an act of Congress a new branch of the military um, will take an act of Congress to... Oh, right. So it's only, they only announced an intention. It isn't actually going ahead yet. They've announced an intention. What, he, what Trump was able to do was, via executive order, was establish a combatant command group, and that's called the Space Command. Um, and what that does is that kind of streamlines space resources from different military branches and focuses them on space. And it's, it's seen as the precursor to the Space Force. Um, the Space Command had a lot of, um, a lot of support from lawmakers, um, and Space Force seems to be having that same support. And it appears to be inevitable that Space Force will be created by Congress. But again, Congress is a little distracted right now. So things like the Space Force don't look to happen in the foreseeable future. Um, there is so much up there um, that military forces down here rely on, either through communication, through satellite imaging. Uh, GPS was designed as something that the military could use that now the civilians can use. So a great deal of our 
warfighting resource is in space. And when you talk to these lawmakers and, and administrators that are pushing for more militarization of space, they say that there is a, a concern that actors like Russia and China are developing the technology to actually hijack these satellites or destroy these satellites um, and kind of take offline these critical systems um, for warfighters on the ground. So there's a legitimate concern that, that you're not going to see um, – you know, you're not going to see Star Wars up there, and there's not going to be, you know, astronauts fighting. Um, but uh, but there's definitely a concern for the the safety of of satellites and resources up there. So unfortunately, yeah, not going to be a, a, a you're not going to see X wings or <laughs> Tie fighters no. up there just yet. So <laughs> one can hope, though. <laughs> Richie, uh, well, it's my turn to take a question, but I'm going to let Richie ask it because it's his, and he really wants to know the answer. Yeah, I was I, w- I wasn't sure whether Steve would let me ask this question, <laughs> but it's something that's been eating away at my soul since I was a little kid. Are there any official protocols in place for if we establish contact with intelligent life, be it hostile or otherwise? Is there like official, is there like break glass in case of aliens somewhere with a list of instructions (laughs) as to what we're to do if it happens? I just need to know if we're prepared. I'm I'm almost positive there is. Oh, thank God. I I, I don't know what that protocol is. Um, There is... um, there's a reporter who works for Wired. His name is Daniel Oberhaus, and he just wrote a book about developing the language of how we were going to talk to extraterrestrials. Um, I haven't had a chance to fully read the whole thing yet, but I'm going to have him on my podcast um, later this month to talk about it. But I will, I will be sure to ask him the question. If what is the exact protocol? There's got to be one. <laughs> I just there, don't there know what it be. is. Brendan, yeah. there absolutely has to be. Just, I won't be able to sleep tonight if I if I think there's not. <laughs> Imagine if they landed in Ireland. We would be the ones that have to deal with it then. Oh, yeah, I don't know what that would do for our um, intergalactic relations, to be honest. <laughs> I think you would all be good stewards of humanity. Yeah, I would take him to the pub. It'd be grand. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> Brendan, thanks very much for taking the time. Um, you mentioned your podcast. You want to just let our listeners know um, what kind of a show you host? Sure. The podcast is called Are We There Yet? Um, it is now a weekly podcast um, where we ask the big questions about space exploration. Um, and uh, once a month, We'll have three space journalists on to kind of break down the uh, most recent space news. And uh, yeah, there's there's all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, next week, I, I go to Swamp Works at Kennedy Space Center, where they're working on dealing with moon dust and how rocket exhaust is going to mess with all the systems there. So um, it's a really fun episode, and they're a cool ragtag group of scientists that do all the fringe science at NASA and gave me a cool tour of their place. So that comes out on Tuesday. I've been listening to the show for a good while because um, I think you turned up on Reddit when I was looking at it and I seen ah, a burn. I have to listen to his podcast. <laughs> Necessary. Yes, we have to. We have to stick yeah. together. I, I, although I hear it's a pretty popular name in Ireland. Yeah, right? I've actually, my name is Stephen Byrne and I've met four, five different Stephen Burns in my life. So the, the governor of one of our states here was named Brendan. I didn't Burns. know that. And there was, a, yes, there was, he was the governor of New Jersey and, uh, and when he, I have a Google alert set for my name, so when he died, I was very uh, concerned when I started seeing <laughs> Google stories come in that said, Brendan Byrne has died. <laughs> oh, it's a sixth sense situation. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. Thanks again, Brendan. Hey, this was wonderful. Thank, Thank you so, you so much. much. Appreciate it. What What do you think the um, that protocol is for aliens? It depends on which kinds it is. You know, I mean, presumably 
all the movies that we watch Independence mm. Day and Mars Attacks I don't actually think they're just Hollywood movies I think that they are like war planning war mm. gaming I think okay. that they're funded so like we effectively will have to hope that Will Smith is willing to go back and save us all yeah so and I, again he is a Scientologist so I'm not sure which side he's really on anymore be a sleeper cell you're right mm. see I think we're going to need you're right it depends on the type of alien like if we have the predator style very hostile invasive force who comes down then I think we need to be ready to completely and utterly obliterate but then if we get more of a kind of E.T. kind of or Pixar style friendly alien then we'll I put think, them in a headlock and take their stuff I was going to say then I think we need to just stick with the same tactic and meet them with equal force because I don't trust them well you can't well if you meet them with equal force then there's no force because they're not forceful you no mean, I mean equal force if they're a predator yeah just the same what about Kang and Kodos what if it was those two the same it's the same it's a blanket thing for all to be honest if we send a spaceman up into space and he comes back I say we treat him the same he, we don't know what he's, <laughs> what he's seen what he's done I just don't trust this Steve it could be Venom could be Venom could, could be have sp- a little could have a space worm could be an agent of space Jesus we don't know oh your your uncle it could, <laughs> it could be your uncle could be a galactic space pirate now Steve don't don't play with my emotions Steve <laughs> don't say stuff like my lost in space uncle could now be a space pirate Steve you're just jealous because I have a, a, a space cousin Brendan <laughs> Byrne you have very little space your space son cousin or whatever <laughs> too many Burns. not enough we need we need to colonize everywhere there needs to be Burnsburg never mind Muskburg <laughs> Burnsville <laughs> anyway thank you so much Brendan that was that was great that was, go check out I'll put a link to his podcast in the show notes so you can subscribe there um, they say that in space no one can hear you review podcasts but luckily here on earth we have an atmosphere where you can oh god uh, <laughs> that, that's irrelevant Richie you can review the podcast in a vacuum you know you need a computer <laughs> I'm just trying to impress Brendan with kind of like some witty space journalist style writing He's not going to listen to this. He's too busy <laughs> talking about fucking rockets, doing important work. That's true. That's true. That's true. You know what, but that being said, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, that would be very much appreciated. Yes, we would appreciate Link that. Link in the show notes. That'd be yeah. great. And also, oh, what you're you should it. give us as many stars as there are in the sky. Five. <laughs> <laughs> and not during the day, because then it's only one. We don't want that. <laughs> I mean, do you think that's why those people... Gave us one. People in Ireland gave us all those one star reviews. Not because they say we're a a fascist podcast for fascists, but it's because they were basing (laughs) it on the number of stars in the sky during the day. I had a few people over last night at my house and some of them would be in Fine Gael, the party that apparently because we had someone on makes us fascist and I said oh everyone thinks that we're right wing because I had this person they looked at me and they burst out laughing in my face <laughs> at the idea of you being a, a right wing at the idea of this podcast being right wing yeah. as well so the lefties don't like us the righties don't like us they're, I don't know I don't know. I don't give are. a shit about what the centrists have to say so we, we gotta go to space that's it that's what we're learning before you go to space Follow us uh, at One Politics on Twitter and Instagram to see our space preparations, and email us a good luck, goodbye, love letter. Um, what on politics at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll take some space cookies too. They're always essential. Yeah, that's and it. To do that, you should come to our live show. Oh yeah, a link to that in the show notes. Uh, we'll be back from space by then. Yeah, 
Uh, but, you know, it might not be us. We might be aliens. Oh, fuck. We, we will have to just self-exterminate when we land. That's it. Agents of Space Jesus. <gasps> Daleks! We did, we got to ask him specifically about the Dalek plan. I don't See, I don't trust him. He, I think he's Brendan Byrne just as a Dalek name. I don't trust him. <laughs> it's like the least space name you can get. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, What's Brendan, space but name? it's true. Oh, like Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> That's very... Sp- I thought you were going to say, like, Bleeborp or something. Well, yeah, if I'm a new man called Bleeborp, I presume he had something to do with it as well. Uh, Bleeborp from the um, Planet Kilty Bleeborps. Like Chuck Rocket. He'd be a, that's a good space name. Chuck Rocket, yeah. Space Jesus, that's a good space name. <laughs> uh, well, you, you've, I felt like you were going to say something there to close up this Ramsey podcast. Uh, bye. He did it again, ladies and gentlemen. For the eyes of the world, now look into space, to the moon, and to the planets beyond. And we have vowed that we shall not see it governed by a hostile flag of conquest, but by a banner of freedom and peace. We have vowed that we shall not see space filled with weapons of mass destruction, but with instruments of knowledge and understanding. Yet the vows of this nation can only be fulfilled if we in this nation are first, and therefore we intend to be first. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the other two. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.